KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. NCAA members recently approved a new constitution for the association. What's in it? What does it mean for college athletics going forward? To break it all down, we caught up with Dr. Karen Weaver, adjunct assistant professor, University of Pennsylvania. She is incredibly well-versed in all things college athletics. This is interesting. Give a listen. Before we talk about changes, before we talk about the new constitution, the concept of the NCAA constitution, because I'll be honest, until this... As someone who's covered college sports, I didn't even realize there was such a governing thing as an NCAA constitution. So kind of give us a primer. Kind of what is it? So it is uh, similar to the U.S. Constitution that it's a framework. The U.S. Constitution has a Bill of Rights. It has a lot of amendments and those kinds of things. And the Constitution, as originally conceived back in 1973 for the NCAA, was designed to create a level playing field and uniform standards across all of college athletics. What we now know in 2022, with all the financial differences, all the television money, all of the pressure that comes on to uh, programs to use athletics in different ways, that that single Constitution just doesn't work for everybody anymore. So this new constitution that was voted and looks like overwhelmingly approved in a recent vote, how does it differ from what the NCA was operating under? Let's start with kind of the, the headline changes, the things that will be very noticeable. The big thing that will be noticeable is that Division Three and Division Two don't have to operate like Division One. They never had the resources. They never had the staff. They never had the same motivation. They still love to play sports. That's not the issue. But so much of what was determined for Division I trickled down to Division II and III. And the only way it could get changed was via legislation. And then you end up with a 440-page rule book because you're legislating all the different nuances for Division II and Division III. So now, between now and August 1st, Each division will have a working group that will sit down and talk about what do we want for our division? What works best? What are we willing to enforce? What are we willing to champion? What are our values? How do we want to codify those values? And you may may find significant differences between divisions three, two, and one. Give me some examples of what we could see. Well, I mean, if you look at some of the changes in recruiting, we used to have things like you can't text a recruiter, you can't call them more than two times a week and that type of thing. That might be very inappropriate for Division One. There might be this wide open landscape of how you connect with people because social media has changed things. But Division Three might decide, no, they want some guardrails on that. Part of that being that people who work in Division Three oftentimes wear multiple hats. They don't have all day just to think about landing that one recruit. So just a a nuanced approach to to recruiting might make a difference. A nuanced uh, or a more stringent approach to the length of seasons, capping how many competitions you have, capping coaching staff sizes might be more appropriate for Division Two and Three than it would be for Division One. So we talked the big differences. Are there smaller things that maybe the the average fan or even the average athlete won't realize, but subtle changes that could make a big difference that maybe people aren't talking about or, or don't quite realize yet? 
I don't think this will be as, as subtle as some would think, but it, it still is a nuanced difference. The, the Supreme Court decision back in June basically said that the NCAA could no longer create a national mandate for everything. So in other words, you can't say to every conference in the country, you all have to act the same way. So what is going to come out of this is that the conferences will have more power, more autonomy, more authority to make decisions in the best interest of their conference. It will not be okay for them to collude with one another, to be able to you know, unify and let what they used to say, level the playing field. So the, the change I think that might be eventually um, visible to fans is, wow, how come the conference made that rule, but the NCAA didn't make that rule? It's because the NCAA can't legislate nationally anymore. They've been told by the Supreme Court and a lot of other really good lawyers that that's an antitrust issue. So the conferences will take the lead. Was this something that had been in the works for a while? And I asked that because if I read correctly, I think the last time there were changes to the Constitution or a new Constitution was adopted was like 1997, 96, 96. So yeah. we're talking significant amount of time. The landscape has changed so much in the last 18 months or so. I, I guess my question was like, was this something that had been on the table for a while or was this something that just so much has changed? People thought, you know what? We need to kind of not go back to square one, but fundamentally change the the governing philosophy here. I think the pressure came more externally than it did internally. I think between the Supreme Court decision, all of the numerous numbers of senators and House of Representatives folks who proposed legislation in the House or the Senate to change the operational model of the NCAA to look at its tax status to look at its um, impact on how higher education is is viewed in the tax code. Also, just to look at what athletics means in various states. That kind of pressure really forced the NCAA uh, model to change more quickly. Let me remind the listeners of something that was interesting. The NCAA spent two years in a working committee from uh, 2018 to 2020 working on NIL legislation. They were going to come up with a national model for how they should be implementing NIL. Literally two days before the convention was about to meet in 2020, they all of a sudden pulled the entire work off the table because they heard from someone in the Justice Department that the whole thing would once again be an antitrust issue. So I think at that moment in time, they threw their hands up and they said, we don't know what to do. We need congressional intervention. We need some sort of some sort of body to give us permission to create more competitive equity. And that's what you're starting to see out of this is that the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do the national things. You have to be able to do these in subgroups. So that's why the conferences take more more importance. And that's why the divisions take more importance in this. Do you feel. Did they get this right? Like when you look at this and you look at the changes, I mean, I'm sure there are always things you can quibble on or I disagree, but overall, the NCAA has made a lot of missteps in the big picture. Is this something that has gotten them on a better track? It's too soon to tell. We'll have to read these documents and these uh, decisions to come out of the working groups between now and August 1st. And of course, their membership has to vote on it as well. So it's likely you'll get a proposal, you'll get some votes and some feedback, and then they'll go back again. So it's hard to know what they're going to get right. Many people look at Division One and say, 
it's not sustainable because of all the different financial models you have within Division One. You have, you know, Ohio State with an almost two hundred million dollar athletic budget, and you've got you know Temple with a, a nineteen million dollar athletic budget. How can those two schools claim to be in Division One? So there may be some sort of separation coming out of that. Fans will certainly be paying attention to that. But what that looks like and who has access to the money from the college football playoff and the March Madness will be really crucial. Is there anything this doesn't address that you think should? I think everything's on the table. One of the groups that has been uh, providing alternative thinking, if you will, is the Knight Commission. And the Knight Commission has proposed a model that is values-driven and educationally based. So rather than giving money to the people who can spend the most and get the most television appearances, that you get rewarded for taking care of student-athletes' health and well-being, that you get rewarded for graduating your your students in in a certain time period, that you get rewarded for having a broad-based athletics program. So basically saying we're going to incentivize these other areas first and then do something with the financial model for the rest. Because right now, $10 $10 million a year football coaches, who can do that? You know, and then you've got the entire staff and you've got massive numbers of people working just for one sport. What ends up happening is you lose opportunities in other sports. Higher education and college athletics has said, we're not really for that. So let's figure out another way. A lot of times when you have things like this, there are ripple effects that you can kind of anticipate and then things Oh, wow. I never would have thought that. But when you reverse engineer it, it makes sense. Are there any things that you're looking at that we could have a kind of a surprising track come out of this? I do worry about what we call mid-majors. I think the basketball-centric schools, schools like you know St. Joe's and Drexel and some of the others, you know, have a pretty good path to getting finances from March Madness. But those schools who are mid-majors that also play football, how do they survive in this? I, I really don't know. I mean, they'll still be competitive within their own group, but where do they fit in, fit in in the voting rights and the power in the organization? That's the group that I'm paying attention to. And I'm curious, we mentioned this was the first movement on this since 1996. Is it going to be 26 years before this is addressed again? Or do you think this is going to be something that maybe not a yearly thing, but we see if not all new constitution, significant adjustments to the constitution on a pretty regular basis. I think that's possible. That's why I think that the framework that we heard in January was so basic. You know, it it was up to each division to decide what they want to do. When you think of building a house, you basically think of, okay, I got to get the wooden frames up and the roof on. That's probably where we are right now. How we fill it out, what we put in it, those are going to be decided in the next six to seven months. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>